all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC and surgical pathologist, Dr. Allie Brown. Our special guest today is Dr. Adrian Smith, a plastic surgeon. There is much we can ask him about. We know that plastic surgery can enhance one's looks, but what are some of the medical reasons someone might need plastic surgery? We invite you to call in with your questions and comments. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back to start the show after news from NPR on MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Trump is ramping up the rhetorical brinkmanship against North Korea. On Twitter this morning, the president said... The U.S. military is, quote, locked and loaded and ready to deal with North Korea. NPR's Jeff Bennett has details. The president is continuing with his strategy of tough talk when it comes to North Korea, delivering his most direct warning yet. This morning, Trump tweeted, quote, military solutions are now fully in place, locked and loaded, should North Korea act unwisely. Hopefully, Kim Jong-un will find another path. It's not clear what additional steps the U.S. military has taken to get fully in place, as the president puts it. Yesterday, Trump said the U.S. would retaliate if Kim Jong-un's regime follows through on its threat to attack the U.S. territory of Guam. The president's latest tweet follows his threat earlier this week to rain what he called fire and fury on North Korea. Jeff Bennett, NPR News, Washington. The hostility between the White House and the head of the Republican majority in the Senate appears to be intensifying. President Trump is suggesting that Senator Mitch McConnell may have to consider the possibility of stepping aside if Republicans don't deliver on a series of campaign promises over taxes, improved infrastructure and health care. Trump has made no secret of his disappointment. Republicans have spent the last seven years unable to undo the Affordable Care Act. Waterlogged neighborhoods across New Orleans are getting doused with yet more rain. It's a tough scene because much of the city's pumping system designed to minimize floods is undergoing repairs. Tegan Wendland of member station WWNO reports the city is resorting to some desperate measures to ride out the punishing weather. The city's pumps are running on backup power and more rain is coming. Volunteers say they gave out more than a thousand sandbags to people who want to protect their homes from flooding. Many cars were flooded out and businesses were damaged during weekend floods. Now people are parking their cars on high ground and preparing for the worst. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards has declared a state of emergency for New Orleans. New York City is set to become the first to guarantee lawyers for low-income renters facing eviction. 
NPR's Hansi Lo Wang reports New York's mayor is set to sign that bill into law today. In New York's housing court, almost all lawyers in eviction cases have a lawyer, but about three out of four tenants do not. The city's new policy will provide legal representation to low-income renters, such as a family of four making less than $49,000 a year, as Mayor Bill de Blasio explained in February. If you're facing illegal eviction, you get a lawyer. If you're facing illegal overcharge of the rent, you get a lawyer. If you're facing illegal harassment, you get a lawyer. The program is expected to cost about $200 million a year, according to an independent consulting firm. But it adds the city could save more than $300 million by cutting down the number of people at homeless shelters because of evictions. Hansi Luang, NPR News, New York. The Dow is up 31 points. This is NPR News. A train collision in Egypt's coastal city of Alexandria has claimed at least 36 lives, according to a spokesman for the health ministry. He says more than 100 people have been hurt. The Egyptian Railways Authority says one train struck the back of another that was waiting at a small station. Chinese Internet authorities are investigating the country's leading social media platforms for allegedly violating cybersecurity laws. NPR's Anthony Kuhn reports from Beijing that controls on all forms of expression have tightened ahead of a political transition this fall. The platforms include messaging app WeChat, which has nearly a billion users. There's also Weibo, China's version of Twitter, and a forum belonging to Baidu, China's leading search engine. China's cyber administration says that they're under investigation for allowing users to post violent or obscene material or rumors that endanger national security. Authorities sometimes include criticism of the Communist Party or government in that last category. Criticism and debate can still be found on these platforms, but people who post such material often have their accounts shut down. Anthony Kuhn, NPR News, Beijing. The U.S. Labor Department has a snapshot on consumer prices. They rose a slight tenth of a percent last month after barely budging the month before. Part of the reason was medical care and clothing cost more in July. That was offset by declines in the cost of consumer cell phone plans and hotel bookings. At last glance on Wall Street, the Dow is up 35 points at 21,877. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the estate of Joan B. Kroc, whose bequest serves as an enduring investment in the future of public radio and seeks to help NPR be the model for high-quality journalism in the 21st century. And the listeners who support this NPR station. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for listening to Southern Remedy for Women. Good morning. I'm Karen Brown. I'm here with Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC, and surgical pathologist Dr. Ali Brown. Our special guest today is Dr. Adrian Smith. He is a plastic surgeon. So I have lots of questions already. Now, we know that plastic surgery, we think about that and used to enhance our looks, you know. The little nips. The the little little nips, the little tucks. But... 
there are medical things that you need plastic surgery for. So we're going to talk about that. He's okay. looking at me like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and ladies, for those of you who got really excited for the non-medical things, we're taking calls on that, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Um, I think our phones are working now. Are our phones working now? Yes. All right. So let me give the phone number out. And the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We've had some gremlins in the phone lines this morning, but I think we're all set with your phone calls. Who fed them after midnight? <laughs> That's right. Don't feed them after midnight. You know that movie. Of course. She's so smart. Good morning, all you doctors that are in here. Good morning, Karen. Any the lay person, Doctor Smith. Welcome. Thank you. We always ask right off the top, what about yourself? Tell us about yourself. Do um, you know and how you got into plastic <laughs> surgery? Not, plastic surgery. A curveball. Uh, have a wife and handful of kids. Three. So where are you from? Warren's birthday was you yesterday. Off, so. You start off big. Where are you from? Baton Rouge. Okay, so you're and from Baton Rouge. Went to college here, at Millsaps. Okay. Okay. There's the then, connection. Yeah. So made the fatal mistake of a lot of Mississippi men and married a girl from Mississippi. Oh. So you're permanent resident. That, that shows how smart you are. Now yeah. the phones are going to light up because they know you're smart. mistake. Yeah. yeah. Always good way to refer to your wife. Yeah. So I <laughs> went to med school back in Shreveport and then came here and did the five years of general surgery and the two of plastics. Awesome. And then stayed here in town and got a full-time job. But why plastic surgery? A lot of operations. We did a, a we do a lot of different varied operations, and and, and you were interested in in surgery. Oh, absolutely! And then so I did five years of general surgery. Was board certified in general surgery, and it became very apparent that the number of different operations was not what I wanted, and the amount of time that I spent in the hospital yet not operating was higher than I wanted it to be. So someone told me, when you pick a profession, do a lot of what you like and do a little of what you don't like, which is people don't pay attention to that last yeah. part too much. So I don't like standing around and, and what we call rounding. So um, Rounding? Yeah, rounding. It's a grind, and some people are set for it. And my roommate in med school and college and residency, the same guy is an internist in Louisiana and he's great at it. He'll sit and crunch numbers and read papers and just grind it out. And it drives me up the wall. So, so are you, are, were you, um, an artistic person growing up? Because, because aesthetics, a lot of what you right? do, yeah, like the, so yeah. The, so the plastics thing, like that whole make me beautiful concept, right? Like you can visualize in your mind what it is or what something should look like. And then you have the ability to create it by manipulating tissue and all that good stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> short answer. Bottom line. So a lot of the plastic surgeons have some type of artistic talent that comes out or a, like myself and one of my partners like photography a lot. And you have to have an eye for, oh, that's a good picture or no, that's just kind of a run of the mill, you know, picture. Um, several plastic surgeons I know are, are artists, like to, to draw or yeah. paint. Um, so you have to maybe not manifested i mean one of my good friends and partners is steve davidson and he is architecturally very uh, astute and he sees the world through those art colored lenses so to speak so it, you have to have some kind of eye that you have to see 
what is possible. And you also have to know what the barriers are. You mm-hmm. can't just do anything to anybody. You can't make any breast any size you want it to be. Maybe there are some look limitations. like Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the concept of the body as a canvas and creating with your relationship with the patient and for what their desires are, either from a medical standpoint, whether it's reconstructive mm-hmm. or if it's from a cosmetic, just something that somebody may not be happy or pleased with about their own appearance and they might want to make sure. a change. Absolutely. I think it's great to be able to kind of, it's like group art where you yeah. get to work yeah. with your patients to create Correct. using the body as a canvas. There's and some psychology there too. You also have to have the ability to tell them we can only push this so far. Mm-hmm. Like one of the more frequent conversations I have is about breast reductions. I see a lot, a lot of ladies for breast reductions and I tell all of them, your breasts give me a set a parameters, a set of rules I have to follow. I can make you only make your breasts so big or so small. I can't just make anything I want. I've got a window to operate in. I can cheat to the big side or I can cheat to the small side, but it's not cookie cutters. I don't go in there and pull out some 38D <laughs> cookie cutters and voila. It's a lot more art, art to it than that. And that makes sense. People understand that. What is the most common operation you do or procedure? Hmm, that's a good one. The one we do... Breast reductions are by far and away one of the more common, if not the most common procedure that we do. Reduction? Reductions. Interesting. I would not have thought that. It's Mississippi. I would not have thought that. There are people carrying around a lot of uh, weight. A lot. I'll be consulting after the show. So so what kind of complaints, because this is something, you know, we, we, um, and it's been a while since we've actually really done a breast show, but we know that women a lot of times don't wear the right size bras and just about, especially when you get large enough to need a breast reduction, there's no way for you to have or be able to reasonably financially afford or find a bra that fits. Most of the girls come in, I wear 40 double D because that's the biggest Walmart has at the time. Hmm. There's a Walmart in every town, and that's where most of the ladies go because mm-hmm. you cannot afford to have a bra that holds your breasts like they need to and be appropriately sized. I mean, because most of these women are like a... 48J or something just wow. astronomical like that. Oh, the, it must so, be so hard to carry that around. Well, and it's, the other thing, so what kind of things do people typically complain about or for our listening audience, if they are people who might um, be candidates for sure. breast reduction, um, what kind of things are the, the surgical qualifiers? Sure. Because everybody just can't come in and say make them smaller. And Correct. It, you know, so what kinds of things do they need to have The major complaints that we see are ladies who complain of musculoskeletal muscle pain between their shoulder blades, rating up into the sides of their neck. Ladies will also complain about rashes underneath their breasts, hyperpigmentation underneath their breasts, sweating and odors underneath their breasts. Yeah, so you can actually get a darker discoloration Mm -hmm. underneath your breasts if they are too big because of the It's a skin rubbing on the Mm -hmm. skin. And then thirdly, ladies will complain of... um, musculoskeletal discomfort on the anterior chest wall, the front of their chest, from the heavy breast pulling down at the muscles and the fascia on your chest wall, and they'll complain of discomfort in there. So that those are the three main things. Yeah, that so ladies with upper back pain, um, especially pain that radiates to your neck, um, we think about a lot of different things, and a lot of times people are very well versed in, you know, having muscle spasms in their back or having herniated discs and those kinds of things. But another thing to consider is that maybe the problems you're having with your back are coming from your front. Correct. Now, Correct. out of kilter. For those, uh, for the sort of vanity 
I don't know if that's fair to say. That is not aesthetics, Karen. Aesthetics, okay. It is kind of vanity. Our aesthetics is is that also involve breasts? Is breast augmentation one of the biggest? It is. Is was is tapered off nationwide. It's still one of the most popular operations that we do. Back in two thousand four, five, six, it was the TV shows, the complete makeover and the Swan, yeah. and mm-hmm. y'all remember those. Mm-hmm. And it was just a running ton of breast reductions that we did. <laughs> it slowed down. Now we have a lot more uh, breast lift, breast lift with implants that we do. Um, that's a very hard operation to get right. The breast implants are still extremely popular. That implant usually goes behind the muscle, so you'll see a girl she, who has artificial breast implants. And you think, well, how does she carry those around? They don't hurt her, but I have just a C cup and my neck hurts all the time. The breast implants are behind the muscle and that straps it to the chest wall, for lack of a better term, and secures it. It's like wearing a backpack that fits well versus hiking with a sloppy backpack that's loose. Which is one of the things that makes it a little bit better now for women who have um, breast implants and who need mammography. So, um, because that Um, is, yeah, so it's compression of what is in front of or anterior to the chest wall so it's under those we call it you know when the when the men get together and they have those big bulging things up front those pecs mm-hmm. that they can sometimes the guys used to be able to make one of them move individually like a rock yeah, <laughs> like that. a rock yeah. right. so, so those pectoralis muscles women also have them um, most of the time they're not as well developed um, in women as they are in men but those are the muscles that, w- that the uh, implants are actually placed behind and so when women talk about well once I have implants what about my my implants and will that interfere in mammography and mammography is really about the breast tissue and that's the stuff that's in front of the pectoralis muscle as opposed to the stuff behind so it actually helps to make it a little easier um, if they're underneath that uh, pectoralis muscle and usually yeah. by definition there if you have the implants then 90 plus percent of the time you don't have that much breast tissue to start with or else you wouldn't be in this situation with the implants so it's mm-hmm. a Never had a mammogram, never will have a mammogram. I hope I don't have any masses. So a I mammogram. Can't, I, oh, a yeah. mammogram. So it's, I can't begin to understand the discomfort that it causes, but it makes it. Just you can still have pancake. it. Just pancake. Yeah, pancake. I, it's just tough. Yeah, it's tough. it is. It, it's fast, though. It's fast. Happy note, we need to take our first break okay. of the show. <laughs> Pancakes. Uh, if you want to give us a call with a question or a comment, we're talking about plastic surgery today. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. 
As an MPB listener, you probably know of Radio Reading Service, our free closed-circuit network for the print impaired. But did you know that means Radio Reading Service isn't only for the visually impaired and that MPB provides the special receiver you need for the service? Call 601-432-6301 to see if you qualify for MPB's Radio Reading Service. 601-432-6301. There's so much more to know. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-BRING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens, Dr. Allie Brown, and our guest is Dr. Adrian Smith. He is a plastic surgeon. We've been talking breasts for the whole first section of the show, large and small and rebuilt and reduced. And everything in between. If you have a question and not necessarily about, oh, look, Jason Klein came in to listen. <laughs> if you have a question about um, plastic surgery of any type, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. All right, I want to get off breast for a moment. In the face, you hear about fillers. As women age, I guess their faces start to droop and get a little sallow looking. So, and you put fillers in to make their cheeks a little plumper. Is that the goal? The fillers are a very varied spectrum of uh, what we do. Fundamentally, your skull changes. So you have a three-dimensional CAT scan of an 18-year-old girl's skull, and it looks like what you expect a skull to look like. You take the same young lady when she's 80 and do a repeat CAT scan, and it's much different. The orbits are larger. Some of the maxilla, maxillary bones underneath your eyes are flatter. Some of the bones have begun to regress and gotten thinner. Um, so the foundation of the house changes. So, of course, as that change goes along, you like that, huh? We so like that, yeah. Along, yeah. So it shifts and yeah. you get cracks in the walls, <laughs> and that's what happens. Some the of the, the foundation is just... <laughs> so some of the tissue starts to slide downward, for lack of a better word. Now, fillers we use for uh, wrinkles or soft tissue defects that are caused by gravity. Those are the wrinkles on the sides of your nose, the wrinkles on the corners of your mouth. Uh, Botox is not a filler, but it's also an injectable and we use that for wrinkles that are caused by motion botox paralyzes the muscle that you inject it into the muscle does not work as well therefore the skin above that muscle does not move and the wrinkles don't aren't obvious um it does not cure wrinkles as long as you get the botox the wrinkles won't be there but the good thing about it is after a couple three botox injections your muscles start to atrophy a little bit so you can start spreading your injections out farther. when you're putting filler in someone's face can you describe what it is is it is it liquid or is it a packet of something that goes in magic. there it's magic <laughs> you sprinkle fairy dust yeah, on exactly it. <laughs> most of what we use is hyaluronic acid and that's the filler that we use sounds bad and creepy and whatnot but it's a, it's a clear gel that you inject um it comes in different consistencies is the best way to describe it. Some of it is very firm and we inject that deep along the bone, usually underneath the eyes. Some of it is middle of the road and we inject it with some of the wrinkles on the face and some of it is very fine and we inject that into the lips 
and around the lips of perioral region to help with uh, lip rejuvenation as well as to help some of the fine wrinkles. Your lips lose volume as you get older. Some people start with no lips, and that's very hard to go from no lips to, <laughs> to gorgeous really lips. no lips. Oh, no. It, it's well, hard. we've seen some people try, <laughs> for sure. So it's it's um, those are the main fillers that we use. There's another one that we use. We inject underneath the skin throughout the entire face, and it causes an increase in collagen growth to help some of the fine wrinkles. Ooh, now we were talking about collagen and how after you turn around 25, your collagen production changes, it decreases, and the collagen that you have isn't as robust as it was prior to that so um that's kind of interesting so you actually can see some collagen boosting even in people who are of more so the material that we ages yeah the material (laughs) that we inject is a um, solution and it causes you to have a couple different cycle a couple different injections um It stimulates the first injection primes the collagen making cells underneath the skin. The second and third injection will help actually increase the collagen production. The problem with that is is that not everybody makes collagen responds the same way. The hyaluronic acid filler that's a known quantity that I'm injecting into the face one cc is going to go where I put it and stay, and you'll get this kind of result. When you're relying on someone's body to make the collagen, the results can be varied and. It's hard to sell something. It's hard for me to sell something that I cannot guarantee or with a significant that's not significantly reliable. Some people have a great response. Some people, a few, have had just mediocre responses. But that's only from one specific one. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have to counsel people that maybe they shouldn't have a procedure done? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's a fine line because you're. A doctor, but it's also a service industry. People come to pay you for a certain kind of look and, you know, expect, fill an expectation. Lips are a pretty common one. It's, you know, some people need to step away from the table and say, look, I, you, you, your lips, looks, lips look fine. Let's, let's hold off on the injectables mm-hmm. for another, you know, couple months. Um, breast and body and face surgery, not so much. Most people have a pretty good concept of what they do or do not need. I guess you have a discussion with them on the front end where you have realistic expectations. You relay to them kind of what the reality is when yeah. you wake up. This is what's, what I'm capable one, of doing. One of the harder ones to do is uh, the fat grafting to the buttock that we do. Ooh. Liposuction of the abdomen and then we turn around and purify That's that gotten fat. very popular, huh? That's kind of a you Kardashian it the era. You put it in the bottom. So it's the Brazilian used to women makeover. Correct. It's the Brazilian yeah. booty makeover. And so there are a lot of people who now, so it's kind of shifted from above the waist to below the waist, and people are kind of being a little bit more adventurous with things that happen below the waist. And so they've been doing uh, these butt implants, and I think there's been a lot of press, and some of you may remember a few years ago there were issues with people kind of setting up shop to do this yeah. randomly without appropriate training. That's a good thing to talk about, that are being how def- to choose a plastic surgeon. Well, yes. yeah, because these people were actually doing these injections and, like, meeting people in hotels and motels. And putting weird yeah, stuff in. Yes, and putting all kinds yeah. of Silicone from the mm-hmm. local you know, grocery yeah. store. That, that was a disaster. Fill, pump a flat or whatever. Fill a yeah. flat. Someone yes. used that and the person died. So, I mean, and we're talking about it, and it sounds incredulous, but we've actually heard reports of people having serious negative effects and in some instances have even died as a result mm-hmm. of these these um botched, cert, quote, surgeries or procedures where they've tried to, I guess, um, 
maybe it's a little bit more affordable or what have you, or the way that it's being portrayed to people and marketed as as though it's something that is really safe and doesn't have um, all of the safeties uh, and also not the medical expertise for the uh, individuals who are performing those procedures. So that was like, that was actually a big deal. So how does someone find a plastic surgeon? If someone's interested in a procedure, what's the best way? How how do you make sure you're, you're not going to one of these people? Exactly. So most people find us through a friend. You know, our work is our best billboard, better than any magazine advertisement or anything else you do. Um, and then if you're kind of starting from fresh and don't know any plastic surgeons, you find one that has been board certified. And that's pretty easy because they have a certain symbol next to their name or next to their clinic. All the guys in my clinic were all board certified. Um, and it's a certification you've got to redo every 10 years. You have to take another test every 10 years. Just took mine in April. And okay. it was, yeah, so it was... You know, a little labor intensive, a whole new study. And then the, the test I took in April was different from the one that I remember taking 10 years ago. I mean, the things have changed that much. So you have to find one that's certified and has maintained it. So what is that symbol that they look for? Is, is it main, FACS? I mean, what what do they look for? Like, if they're looking at a website, what do you want to make sure? Well, you sure? want to see the, the ASPS, American Association of Plastic Surgery. Okay. That's the, so that's something to look for. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you need to, and I think that patients need to understand that that is an appropriate question to ask. Yeah, definitely. Whether or not Don't their physician is board certified. Because, you know, I, I, and you think about, for example, um, attorneys, who Correct. are not barred can't practice, right? If you hadn't passed the bar. But there are physicians who are able to practice um, and they don't have to be board certified Correct. in order to be able to practice. And so that's, I think that's something that a lot of people don't really understand, um, but that the whole board certification process is designed where basically you have proven as a, as a physician to have met um, a standard of certain criteria and that you've been either evaluated or judged by your peers or through an examination process to show your proficiency and competency in the area that you're, the, that and, you're practicing. And the funny thing about plastic surgery, a lot of what we do bleeds over into other uh, professions. You know, there's ophthalmologists um, who treat blepharosplasms with Botox, inject Botox in the forehead, and they're perfectly competent to do it. It's not that we're the only people who know mm-hmm. how to use Botox or fillers, um, but if you're looking for a plastic surgeon, you know, yes, yeah, certainly one that's board certified. Is- we're going to go to the phone, and Rita's calling in from Arkansas. Hi, Rita. Yes, Hi. I'm calling uh, about some uh, facial sagging I've had since in my 20s. Um, I'm just one side of my face. Um, I never really got it diagnosed, I, uh, but I, I read some about it, and I thought it's probably I suffer from depression, anxiety, and uh, I think that's where it started from. And uh, I, w- I have never been able to, you know, uh, uh, plastic surgery is expensive, so I've never really been able to afford it. And I was wondering if that would be covered uh, by my insurance. Um, well, unilateral, look- Rita, unilateral facial sagging can be caused by any number of things. It uh, could be congenital. It also could have been Bell's palsy that you had that paralyzed some of the nerves that work the muscles in your face and when those muscles don't work right the tissue around them starts to sag and that's not all that uncommon repairing the symmetry to your face um 
you have to decide what part bothers you the most. Is it around your eyes, the corners of your mouth, the the, the cheeks on one side? And then depending that we have our lady in our office who looks at your insurance and looks at the operation we're going to do and can help decide if it is covered or not. And that's a pretty common question with breast reductions, with facial surgery, um, because a lot of things that we do are insurance covered. It is um, you know, result of trauma or birth defect or like you know, possibly you with Bell's palsy. That's a good, that's a great point to bring up. Yeah, about how maybe people wouldn't even think to consult their insurance to see if these things would be covered. Yeah, we have a. That's one of our financial coordinators. Her main job is to look at your insurance, whether whoever it's through, and decide if that is because it varies from carrier to carrier. Absolutely, way more than I can do. That's well, Rita. We thank her. you very much for your phone call, and I hope you get some some help with that. So I um I wanted to share um a couple of so we also get emails from our listening audience, and um some of these actually were some questions when I think um we might have been talking about um, just facial rejuvenation and those kinds of things before. And some of these questions that get emailed to us, I think, are so good. And they don't, for whatever reason, if we didn't have a chance to share them on the air, sometimes we still get a chance to respond to them. And so this is one of the questions from before that got um, mailed in to us by a listener. And this says, I have terrible lines because it's in the lines of what we're talking about. I have terrible lines from the corners of my mouth. It says, makes me look like an old sour face. I am 61 years old. What could help with this? So lines around the mouth are one of the more complicated areas on the face. There's if it's around the lips, that's very difficult. You need the chemical peels, lasers um, to help resurface that skin. There's no good operation for strictly ladies who have perioral wrinkling. Perioral rejuvenation, as we call it, is, is complicated. Now, once you start to spread out from the corners of the mouth into the cheeks, then that becomes a little more easier to deal with. Then you start having the options of different fillers, fat grafting, and, of course, surgery such as facelifts. So you need to see exactly where the, the, where the wrinkles are. So do you um, call them crow's feet when they're on your when they're around your lips? Those are on your eyes. <laughs> no, that's why I was wondering crow's feet on your lips. Oh, that's yeah, that they, um that sounds like what she's describing. Those just lines that yeah. kind of come around. And then some people, you know, everybody's put together a little bit different. And some people just have a naturally downward turned smile, and that mm-hmm. can be hard to try and fix. At least to even get it back to neutral. Sometimes we'll paralyze some of the muscles. Um, around the mouth that's pretty rare because it can lead to um oral incompetence you don't want to have a great smile but drool that's not you didn't really think that there. happens yeah. <laughs> she sure looks good but yeah. she has to wear a bib uh, yeah, right let me give the phone number again. if you have a question or a comment it's one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. you can also send an email to women at mpbonline.org and we'll be right back
been patiently waiting. And beginning August 7th, your MPB car tags will start arriving at your local county offices. For more updates about the MPB car tag, visit mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. You might go to the fair for the rides or funnel cakes. Our Planet Money team goes for this. Triad Air Fan. Ultimate hose nozzle. The Vendor Marketplace. Solar Tees. T-shirts that light up with the sun? The last glue. What does that even mean? It means that's the last glue you'll ever need, dude. Right, right. I'm Audie Cornish, the art of the pitch at the Ohio State Fair. Hey, guys, come on over here. Y'all want to try it out? This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Back on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens, Dr. Allie Brown are here, and our guest today is Dr. Adrian Smith, a plastic surgeon. We're talking about procedures and why and how and what and all those good things. We're going to go straight to the phone where Will from Meridian has called in. Hi, Will. Hi there. My question is a little different. Um, a little different. Um, I just got home from Maryland about a week ago. I've been hospitalized at the University of Maryland Shock Trauma Center for like. First, I was there for 13 days. I had to have ankle surgery after I broke my ankle and I had hardware put in. But of course, it wasn't as simple as that. I had I developed a complication, and the wound would not close almost. And so the surgeon was contemplating almost doing a flab. But that was, you know, that's obviously plastic surgery. I want to know the steps to go along with that. If you can tell me how plastic surgery works. Yeah. It's funny, I just saw the same patient in my clinic this morning. That is an exceptionally complicated anatomical area to have to have the the problems that you're having. So there are different types of flaps that we use. Some are fairly simple, straightforward flaps we use for reconstruction of the nose. When you start talking about the ankle and distal lower extremity, you're running into some very difficult real estate. There's not a lot of anything down there but skin and bone. So you try and move some of that skin from side of your leg to cover the defect. Now, the lady I saw had a problem with her Achilles tendon on the back of her ankle, which is a pretty common area. Um, people have a distal tibula, tibia fibula fracture or, you know, or an ankle fracture will also have wounds on the sides of their legs, and those get very difficult to cover. Now, you can use, there are two different kinds of flaps, a local flap, which is moving some of the tissue around that's on your leg. The free flap is a lot more complicated, and those are pretty much only done at universities. Um, that's a where you take a section of skin from one part of the body, say the middle of the thigh, remove it, and it has an artery and vein attached to it. You take that section of skin with the artery and vein hanging down like little tentacles and sew it into a different spot, like down on the ankle or lower extremity. Um, you can also use muscles. You take one of your six-packs out, leave you with a five-pack on your belly, take one of those muscles and sew it in down to a... Um, an, an ankle wound or a wound on top of the shoulder, somewhere that needs some good healthy tissue. Um, so that's how that works. It's a it's a it's a really complicated problem, though. 
Well, Will, um, we just want to say welcome home. We're glad you're back. And hopefully um, you if you do require the the flap, or which is basically just a fancy kind of graft, right? Pretty well, much it's, it's, for the most part. It's deeper. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, I mean the, you need more than just the skin. There's the flap has its own blood flow to it. Mm-hmm. And the skin grafts have no blood flow to it. So it's, it's that's the the main difference right there. So you just, the flap is where you raise a flap of skin and rotate it and put it where you need it. Um, sometimes it's skin, some it's usually skin and fat. Sometimes it's skin, fat, and muscle. We use them a lot for breast reconstructions, flaps from the back. Yeah. But a lot of people, if you think about it, um, are aware of, like, when you think of, what's down there around your ankle and your foot, I mean, it's really not a whole lot. It's like the skin is thin. Yeah, There's not is. a lot of soft it's, tissue it's, there. It's, yeah. it's tough real estate. It's hard, right to over the get, bone. it's hard to get a lot. You don't have a lot of good fat and juicy tissue down there to work with. Oh, my so. ankles are juicy. Can you, I'm moving on. <laughs> Can you give us a sense of how many procedures... Uh, have to be done under anesthesia and what might be yeah, outpatient good question. procedures? Good Most everything we do is outpatient. Really? But Correct. Uh, some of the larger breast reconstruction cases, they'll spend a night or two in the hospital. But most everything else, especially from the cosmetic realm, is is outpatient. You have surgery, go home that same day. Our surgery center is equipped with some overnight rooms. If you, say, you live three hours away, you want to have six hours of surgery, you might want to spend the night with us. And so you don't have to go to a day. hospital. Your clinic is... We have an ambulatory surgery center on the first floor of the building. It's like a little miniature hospital, except it's really easy to get in and get out of, which makes makes a difference. And it's same computer system, You know, a lot of the same people. It's pretty streamlined. The girls down there do nothing but plastic surgery, the anesthesiologist, nurse anesthetist. It's, it's, a, it's a very pleasant place to work. If you're doing something on an outpatient basis, how long do certain procedures take? So most all we do is outpatient. Half of what, half to a third is done under local anesthesia. A lot of the skin cancers that we do, local anesthesia, um, some lipo you can do under local anesthesia. Um so that's where that comes from. Um, the operations that we do will run anywhere from, you know, an hour to eight hours. And some people who are healthy will sign up for these marathon operations where they want their a tummy tuck and a breast lift with implants and fat injection to their buttock. And it, you know, it, it the takes The mommy makeover. That's right. it. Yeah, it must must hurt. Hurt. That must hurt. The mommy well, makeover. I mean, Front and back. No, nowhere's comfortable. Where can you lay? You right. have to lay on your side? What do you Stand do? up? Yeah. They figured out quick. <laughs> oh, but Everybody's got a favorite chair or, you know, yeah. in yeah. the belly sleepers, the ladies who are belly sleepers. And what am I going to do when I go home? And I was like, I, I don't have any idea because I cannot sleep if I'm not on my stomach. So I, I, I have no good advice. But ladies usually find a, find a chair in the corner of the couch uh, and sit up padded with some pillows usually does wow. a good job. Well, you have said the L word, so you have opened the door into lipo uh, liposuction. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that that really was very popular a long time ago. It, are you still seeing oh, yeah. requests for whether it's lipo or, you know, tummy tuck? What's the difference between liposuction and a tummy tuck? Good question. Liposuction is a lot easier. You remove just the fat from underneath the skin and you do that. The more aggressive you are, the more you need to be asleep. So if I'm really getting after it, like your doctor is sweating when it's all said and done, oh, you want to be asleep because, I mean, we have to. It re- looks really violent, like when you see someone doing it, it's like yeah. a stabbing kind of thing. It's, I mean, not to scare people, but. That that sounded scary. So, Sticking yeah. A so very, very, I was thinking about Controlled it. stabbing. So that it, would have deterred me. So it is yeah. a, a lot of um, 
a, a lot of passes motion. with the cannula. Passes with the cannula. That sounds better. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to sell it a little yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about um, stabbing you. And we remove just the fat. So it, it's mostly just a, a fat removal. It's not a great weight loss procedure. Ladies come in and they're morbidly obese and I want some liposuction. I'm like, that's not really what you need. Um, you can remove up three, four pounds tops. Mm-hmm. So it's better if you have like a, if you have a problem area, I guess. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's ladies who have a little bit too much fullness above their belly button or on their hips or somewhere like that. Uh, we do it a lot in the combination with the fat grafting to the buttock nowadays. I want this from removed from the front and injected in the backside. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the tummy tuck is a is a larger incision. It's like the C-section scar, but extended out each direction. All the um, way to the hip bones, right? Pretty, pretty much. much. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of depends on how much extra skin you have. The more skin, the more skin needs to be removed, the longer we make the incision. And that's good for the lower half of the abdomen when you have a lot of loose, redundant skin. So it's good for people to know. So the difference, like, so if you want lipo, ladies, four pounds. Ugh, that's just heartbreaking. I yeah. think there probably were a lot of people who felt like you might be able to come out 30 or so pounds lighter. Yeah, but if you, if you have lipo. that, then your skin's just hanging. Well, and that's out the, the thing. Insides. So well, how often metabolically, after you do that, it's probably not good for you to how remove How often so after you do that do you have to go back and, I mean... So how often do you see it where one surgical procedure creates another one? I think one of the things that a plastic surgeon I worked with once said, and it's always stuck in my mind and I thought was so poetic, was he said, so there's always something that you give up. Like people always think of it as where you go in, you have these procedures and instantly you look better, you get the desired result. But he said, there's always a trade-off. There are still risks. And he said, you know, we trade skin for scars. So, you know, you have to think of And while they have very good ways of finding aesthetic wound healing and applying all of these different principles to make sure that you have minimal scarring and minimal traces that, you know, there's still sometimes evidence that something has occurred. And it's about, you know, making the decision about how much skin, the more skin you lose, the more chance of having a scar and that kind of thing. Massive weight loss patients. Hmm. They're the ones who come in with just this redundant skin on their arms, their belly, their face. And I tell them, every one of them, skin for scars. You've got to trade them. If you don't want to have scars, then you need to you know, come come to grips with the extra weight that you have or skin that you have because you cannot get rid of it. Um, skin will not retract and tighten as much as we'd like it to. Some people it does. Every once in a while you'll see the you know the mom in the bikini who's had four kids and it's got a rock star body and that's glorious, but that's not Actually, everybody. Actually, it's not. I don't like her. No, I'm just kidding. She is a figment of your imagination. She is not real. She yeah. does not exist. <laughs> But a lot of the extra weight we uh, or extra skin and weight you have to surgically remove. And then we have to counsel some scars do well. Brachioplasty scars on the back of the arm historically are ones that do very poorly. Um, abdominoplasty scars usually do pretty good. Nowadays, swimsuits are so low and shorts are so low that your abdominoplasty scar is, you know, might be visible. I mean, it's down at the top of the hair bearing area. Okay, top we're going to start at hashtag bring back high waist. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go to the phone now. Linda's calling in from Port Gibson. Linda, go ahead. Hello. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hey, Linda. Um, I want to know why. Uh, I want to know if some uh, burns. Uh, Wait a minute, let me get it together. I want to know if plastic surgery is, uh, is, is, uh, for burns. 
there are a lot of things we do for plastic surgery for burns. Most of it is reconstructive or to re help regain the function of a certain area. Burns can also cause very thick, very dense scarring, and they can cause your skin to contract. So you have areas like between your fingers and your elbow, your shoulder, that you lose a certain degree of range of motion. And there's skin grafts and flaps that we can do to help increase that. Also, some of the Smaller burns may heal without any type of treatment, and the scar itself may be cosmetically very poor. That can be removed and replaced with a skin graft. Now, skin grafts are not the be-all and end-all most beautiful thing in the world, but sometimes they're smoother and a little more closer to your own skin pigmentation than the hypertrophy scar tissue that we see after burns so much. So those are the two major things that we do with burns. And I think it, it doesn't it depend on um, like the, the severity of the burn because um, how much damage is actually done Correct. to the underlying tissue has a lot to do with the likelihood of successful grafting and also maybe even in the timing and planning of those. Sure. So the, the three different stages of burns. You're smart. Ah, oh, boo. <laughs> what, are, what are the three stages of burns? First, second, Denial. third. Denial. Right. Uh, that was pretty easy. So, Acceptance. And home. Yeah. So you, usually the third degree burns require a specialized burn treatment center. They're fairly deep, full thickness burns down into, into the fat, and that's a very uh, high energy, high temperature kind of burn. A lot of the burns that we see in a clinical setting are second degree burns, barbecue pits, hot water, and oh. um, things of that nature. So a lot of those don't need treatment. A lot of them just need wound care. Some of them do need some skin grafting to help them heal appropriately. Dude, I burnt my head with a curling iron one day and I just knew oh, I was going to need it. Oh my gosh, I knew I was going to need a skin Sizzle. graft for that thing. I was just like <gasps> Linda, thank you for your phone call. We need to take a break. If you still were waiting to call in, well, not waiting, you just need to do it because we're running out of time. The, the number is one one eight seven seven mpb ring Operators are standing by one 672 7464 or send an email to women at We'll be right back for our last segment of Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. standing member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. It's pledge time again at Mississippi Public Broadcasting TV. Through August 15th, watch premium television you can't see any other time of the year. Take a crash course in Africa's great civilizations in a single afternoon. A six-episode marathon begins Saturday, August 12th at 1130 a.m. So make your pledge to watch great TV and visit mpbonline.org for your fall schedule. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org.
back on Southern Remedy for Women. We're talking about plastic surgery today with our guest, Dr. Adrian Smith. We have a phone caller. We're going right to the phone. Bill is calling in from Jackson. Hi, Bill. Go ahead. Hey, thank you. Uh, I was going to ask you this about the freezing technique to remove body fat. Pros and cons, does it work, et cetera? That's a good question. We don't currently offer that. The, we have. I have not seen enough people happy with the amount of money they've spent. Is that to, the cool sculpting, quote-unquote? <clears throat> I've heard of that. Yeah, that's one of the... Yeah. And it, I'm not saying that it doesn't work, but I only have so many hours in a day, and I'd rather fill them with operations that I know are going to work a little bit better and give you a little better bang for your buck. The school, cool sculpting uses um, low temperatures um, and some type of roller to help freeze the fat, kill some cells, and... Does it work best? So we so when you do liposuction, it's the suction catheter, right? You actually remove the so, fat. But if you're if you're freezing, then you're using cool. Te- what is does it shave those no, frozen? It, so your like body reabsorbs the, the the fat. Yeah, there's cells. no cut, so there's just, no cutting, right? Correct. There's no downtime. There's ah. no discomfort. Um, well, where it's does what, it go? Yeah, well, if it's you one absorb of those, it, does it end up somewhere else? Or does it end <laughs> up in your in your arteries? Where does it go? Right. Yeah. So that's that's, that's a good question. We it it does work. That some people have some very good results from it. I think you have to be very um, specific. Patients tend to do a lot better with it than others. Um, but it's it's certainly not for everybody. And then if you have a significant amount of fat you want to remove, I don't think the cool sculpting would do a very is good it, job for that. Is it um is there a risk of like thermal injury or whatever? Can, can you get frostbite from trying to get your do cool not make sculpting. me lie to you. I don't have. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think. Imagine there've got to be parameters on the machine to prevent something like that from happening. I mean, well, yeah. Billy, thank you for one. your call, and I hope that answered your question for you. Well, interesting. So, um, really quickly, because there, I, I, I got really excited. We've had so much good information today, um, but I want to kind of go back to the breast surgery thing because we also had a couple of people. So you don't understand, but there's like a throng, an adoring crowd that has gathered outside of the auditorium while we've been doing this show <laughs> of people who've had their own personal questions. And one of the questions came from someone um, in the building who has had a breast reduction and was asking questions about now after having had a breast reduction, needing to get something additional done, and so. So um, we were talking about one procedure leading to another procedure, et cetera. And so what I wanted, Cosmopolitan did this article um, and they entitled it 21 things you should know before uh, before you get a boob job. And the first thing was your breast, your first breast surgery probably won't be your last. And so whether it's augmentation or reduction, um, can you? Talk to us yeah, a little bit certainly. about that because I don't know that like I I did not recognize that this is that you need a, a touch up whether you get it taken in or or especially in, for or ladies who want a very specific shape to their breasts if they want the nice round perky breasts that don't need much of a bra and looks great in t shirts that we can do that it looks wonderful. But like everything else, has a certain amount of longevity. Your skin gets weak. It gets tired. The tissue starts to stretch out. Your body starts to age. Gravity. Yeah. So there will be some (laughs) tightening up. Implants don't last forever. 10 to 20 years. Implants have to be changed out. Neither does love. How does a patient know when they have to get their implants switched out? So the saline implants, one will deflate, and it will all of a sudden, you put your bra on, and one cup kind of collapses. You're like, go ahead and get a reduction. (laughs) Secondly, the gel implants that we have nowadays, you can get a routine MRI, which the company recommends, or you'll feel a knot. Hmm. Usually what happens is 20 years go by, and they want a little little redo, get them back Hmm. looking like they did when they were, you know, first done. 
So there's a lot of secondary breast operations. Collapsing breasts. That's a little alarming. We're back to the phones. Jack's calling in from Tennessee. Hi, Jack. Hi. How are you? Good. Great. What's your question? Hey, I'm getting a little bit older, and I'm getting a lot of fat around my chest. Uh, Some people call it man boobs. Yeah. You need a bro. So usually for that, for most men, we use liposuction. That helps remove a significant amount of the weight and still leaves your nipple areolar complex is not being distorted. Um, If there's any glandular tissue, hypertrophy in the glandular tissue behind your nipple, then that needs to be surgically removed. We do that at the same time. A lot of times it's simply just where your body stores fat. We can certainly improve on on that, um, knowing that it's... it's a uh, it's a good operation for men. It's a very common one that we do, and it's actually pretty common amongst men in general to have that that problem. A lot of men struggle with that, and it's not something that is just limited to uh, men who are uh, of older age, but it's also something that's pretty common in younger men yeah, as well, especially around puberty. Also, yeah, right? correct. We have to usually we'll get an endocrinologist to evaluate the patient first, yeah. make sure there's not a, a real medical issue that we're just glossing over and going straight to the plastic surgery part of it, and then it's. Marijuana smokers. I was going to say that. This yeah. term, gynecomastia, which Correct. is the big doctor word for man boobs, um, and so marijuana smokers. The downtime and the cost. Oh, the downtime, downtime and the cost. And cost. I don't have any idea what the cost is, but the, the downtime. Typical doctor. Yeah, I, always I, like, I I've, don't got, know. I've got a girl for that. The, the downtime, liposuction is not very uncomfortable, and usually you could do it on a Thursday, be back at work, especially if it's an inside air-conditioned job by, on Monday. Now, how much of building up the pectoralis muscles can assist with changing the the appearance of man boobs? Well, but then you have to exercise. Oh, yeah, so it's two different things. One, you've got the, 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 I guess, the process of building muscle, which is different from the process of fat deposition. Mm-hmm. Some people depose, deposit uh, fat in different areas. Some people, mm-hmm. it goes straight to the hips. Guys use this intra-abdominally behind the muscle. So you've got this big bear belly. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to lipo. It's just a very bit of subcutaneous fat, a large amount of intra-abdominal fat. Some people, they deposit it on their chest. Jack, um, thank you so much for your phone call. So we can do That's it. awesome. So when you remove fat with liposuction, that area probably usually doesn't come back, right? Because you've removed the fat cells. And you Correct. can. I've heard that you can gain weight then in other areas You, if you go and gain weight. So it's not like the end of weight. If you eat a lot and don't work out, you're still going to gain weight Look, back. You can always manage to eat enough <laughs> and gain a little bit of weight. Right. We're just about out of time. I needed to hear more about this pot and having man boobs. <laughs> oh I don't understand what, why. What so is there's the several different drugs, several different uh, medical conditions, and smoking marijuana can cause gynecomastia or the enlargement of the breast tissue. So if you stop smoking, then it will go away, or is it? Yeah. It does. Wow. It's, it's not reversible. I've just never heard of that. It sounds yeah. bizarre. Oh, yeah. it's, it's actually one of the more common causes. But it's so. But it's fat deposition, right? So and it's glandular hypertrophy yes. too. The actual mm-hmm. breast tissue that we have to remove. So you do some lipo to remove the extra fat, and then there's usually a, a, a knot of breast tissue that needs to be removed because of the hormonal changes. You start to actually have breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Wow. Alcohol can do it, too. Yeah, liver failure. And so can, you know, we talk about the opiate epidemic. So there's a lot of um, news and a lot of sensationalism around that because it's a big problem. Um, but heroin can also, um, which is one of the big But uh, having opiates. big breasts is probably the least of your problems if you're taking I mean, heroin. Yes, but they don't talk about the man boob epidemic. <laughs> but it's a really, it, it's something to consider. And so um, the other thing that's really important is just to make sure that you don't, 
just blow it off and say that it's mm-hmm. that's true. You know, all silliness aside, sure. yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to make sure that there's not some other underlying problem because it could be that, a hormonal. It could be related Brain to tumor. hormones that mm-hmm. causes um, that can cause you to have man boobs as well. Okay, we have like 20 seconds left. Any final thoughts? Thought, not thoughts. No pressure. Yeah, 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 no, uh, yeah. 20 seconds. I mean, it's just a lot of different operations, and that's the main reason that. <laughs> We do it, and you can see what we discussed today, a lot of good stuff, and a lot of really complicated conversations you have to have with ladies. So next time I'm running lady in clinic, it's not because I'm screwing around playing golf. It's, you know, somebody may have breast cancer, and sometimes it takes a while. Sure. Yeah. Bedside manner is pretty too, important right? in what you do. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being My here, pleasure. Dr. Adrian Smith. And that's, what's the name of your clinic again? The Face and Body Center. Face and Body Center, which is in Flowood. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show is engineered by Java Chapman. Our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. Pardon me. For Dr. Michelle Owens, for Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next. 